0: The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a
1: greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. You've decided to choose a financial advisor. Good move. But before you shake hands, take a few moments and ask a few questions. This may help avoid an unpleasant surprise down the road. Tim Whistler has some thoughts on what to ask and why. I'm Patrice Sikora. Tim, first of all, it isn't easy to talk about money, especially when it's our own. But these questions go even further than that. Why should they be asked?
2: Well, you know, and you said that in your opening statement, you know, know, trying to avoid unpleasant surprises down the road. Nobody wants to go through that, especially when we're dealing with decades of savings, of sacrificing, of doing without to, to create this pot of you know assets and financial funds that are going to be used for retirement. so yeah you're, you're exactly right we don't want there to be any unsup- unpleasant surprises and I think you know a lot of times too you know you and I were talking about this before we went live, I just constantly hear different types of statements and remarks made from people that kind of get me thinking, well maybe they didn't ask enough questions beforehand and no fault of their own. A lot of times we don't even know what questions right. to ask This is the first time we've done this it's It's like with me and my analogy of plumbing, right? I don't care about it. <laughs> but i want I want that professional to know a lot more than I even need to know how we, you know what questions to even ask. So I think in our profession here, I think this would be kind of a good little conversation for us to have. maybe just to kind of share some questions that people should be asking because not only are these, you know obviously this is not a full comprehensive list, but I think this is a good to get the conversation started and and to keep the conversation moving forward. But these are the different types of things that I expect people to ask of me. And if they don't, I always like to make sure I share this information with them. And it's from the standpoint of what is that role of that professional? Mm -hmm. Is this a one and done type of thing, or is this going to be a relationship? Well, obviously the answer is probably going to be a relationship of some sort. Um, So therefore, I think that the more we know, not only about the advisor themselves, and also more importantly, the products and the strategies, but again, we're, we're driving right back towards that end-all be-all of having enough information so that we can make an educated and informed decision.
1: Well, the first question on your suggested list is actually something that we always ask new people coming into the program here. How'd you get into the business? What what led you to get into financial services?
2: Yep, I, I just think that's a great question. It, it opens the door because I don't think too many of us out there came going through high school, maybe into college saying, you know, I, I think I'm gonna do this for a living. There might be a handful of them out there but that's not usually what I see when I engage with other advisors across the country and build relationships with, with other professionals in our business. So I, I always think that's a great question. You know, it kind of gets to know um, the root of the, of the person, you know, in, in my situation here, as we know, it was, it was a very unexpected um, and very tragic family event, you know, of watching my mother pass away and then, and then seeing my father go through a financial challenge that led me to look at this business. And then start earning my licenses while I was still working in corporate America and then fell in love with it. And uh, now here we are, 18 years full time. Wow. And um, that's what led me into it. I think that's just a good question, just to kind of give an idea of oh, what's what's the background? You know, where, where did yeah. that advisor come from and and why are they in that business? And maybe what question.
1: what extra, what other insight do they bring to the job? Exactly. So many of the the advisors I've spoken to, in fact, I would think it's all of them come to think of it it's very much like you. This was not something they expected. It was a surprise. They fell into it and was like, "Oh, this I like this." And they <laughs> stayed and they've done well. Yeah. Yep. But to Absolutely. work at it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And then um how about asking someone what how is your business structured? Do you have a firm Are you all alone? Do you have other people with you?
2: I think that's a good question because again, helping, you know, helping the, the investors, the consumers, you know, the soon to be retirees help them understand the different types of structures that are out there. What I mean by that is, for example, you know, I cut my teeth in this profession as being what is called a captive agent. I was basically an advisor slash agent of one company, one firm, right? So I'm I'm captive. I can only represent that company and their products. So if there was a a non-competing product, of course, I could go out there and, and do that if I wanted to. But any other products that were similar by, by contract, I was not allowed to even talk about those. So I was, it was dealing with one company. Well, after being with that firm for a little over three years, then I restructured my firm to go from captive to what we call independent, right? So now I'm independent. I don't represent any one particular company. I then can go out there and, and you know, affiliate myself with maybe a marketing organization um, or maybe, you know, go out there and get uh, an RIA, a registered investment advisory firm that gives me access to investment, you know, op- opportunities for clients. But in the big picture, I can sit down with a client and you know, listen to what they're trying to solve, the, the, the challenges, the concerns that they have. And then I can bring in maybe a couple different companies because again, that whole phrase of jack of all trades and a master of none, <laughs> I, I still think it's very relevant, especially when we' are dealing with entities. And trying to provide solutions to clients. So therefore, I think that's a good question. You know, maybe obviously if somebody walks into a, a building and it has a, a specific brand name on the building, I don't well, want to name you know. names, but yeah. you know, obviously they're they're pretty, you know, sure about how that firm is structured. But like for me, the Whistler Agency, what does that mean? You know, who do you work for? Those types of things. So I, I think it's a fair question for for people to be asking of advisors.
1: Well, the third question on your list here are you a fiduciary 100% of the time?
2: <laughs> I actually borrowed that one. I came across that not too long ago. And, it, you know, obviously the fiduciary is, is an important um, question, but I love how this particular one said 100% of the time. Um, and I think that's very, very important, you know, because, you know, again, we're, we're going we're to get this here in just a little bit. We talk about, you know, how do you get compensated and whatnot, but making sure that you are with a professional, who is not just ethically, but also legally and contractually held to the level of being a fiduciary. In other words, again, for those people who maybe have heard that word, but aren't really too sure what it means, that is basically where the advisor has to do everything. The the solutions, the recommendations must be in the client's best interest. So just that quick story that I've told before about the couple who came in we went through a fact finding, um, as I always do. I ask about everything: assets, income, expenses, liabilities, and then, of course, then we get into in the targeted plans and goals, et cetera. But when this particular couple, you know, couple came in and shared with me that they had tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, you know, that's when I immediately stopped that conversation from talking about investments and retirement planning, and saying, "Okay, before we move forward, that has to be addressed." And the reason for that is because, again, I probably could have sat there and put together a retirement income strategy for them, talking about 401Ks and Raws and conversions, blah, blah, blah. But would that that have been in their best interest? Absolutely not. Because they need to spend down and, and get that credit card debt under management before moving forward with a recommendation. So therefore, that's an example, a very simplified example of the role of a fiduciary, making sure that your recommendations are in your best interest and not the interest of the prof- professional.
1: Well, what about the 100% of the time part of the statement?
2: Again, just, just from the standpoint of everything has to be done, it's not just, okay, You know, we're going to put together this strategy here, this recommendation for this time being, and then maybe the next part of the conversation or the next you know part two of the strategy doesn't abide by that. that that's why we talk about that. I think that's why it's an, it's an important question to ask and phrase it that way. Are you a fiduciary 100% of the time? And there needs to be a resounding yes, and so that, I think that's just very, very important. Again, and making sure that that's what's being done. It's like again when I talk about you know my beginnings, and it, you know after my mother passed away, then what I saw my father went through. So what what the advisor did to my dad, you know, my dad was a blue collar electrician for Caterpillar here in Central Illinois, very very intelligent man. I mean, one of the most intelligent men I've ever met, but he didn't know anything about retirement income planning as most people don't. And he was with a particular advisor during a, during a very strong bull run, and thankfully, my dad, you know, keeps a lot of his statements, or at least he did way back then when I was first getting in this business. And he had me kind of glance over them. And Patrice, we were going through a significant bull run, and this advisor was buying and selling so many different transactions. Uh-huh. He was using Class A mutual funds, which basically means that the commissions are upfront. So my dad's account was kind of just remaining flat while the market was just exploding and doing very, very well. Well, is that, so, so the question would, would be, are those transactions in my father's best interest? That's, that's one of the things we have to like look it. at.
1: Yeah.
2: It, it didn't really, you know It's not really illegal, but it is, it's, it's significantly unethical. There was no reason to justify the first time that he opened the account for my father, but then 100% of the time, which means ongoing. Mm-hmm. Are, when you're serving a client, is the recommendations you're making still in the role of a fiduciary. So I think that's why it's, a, it's an important question to be asking of an advisor that you're considering working with.
1: That's a very important question. Not right. that any of these others are not, but that definitely, but it also brings up the question, if you are a client and you suspect that perhaps you're not being served in this manner and your, your advisor supposedly is a fiduciary, what mm-hmm. do you do?
2: Well, that, that's the role of, of, you know, there's consumer advocates out there. I mean, that, you know, everything that we have that we offer to clients from the standpoint of if, if, it's, an, if it's an insurance product, like a, a fixed index annuity, for example, or a life policy or an asset-based long-term care policy, all the way up to an investment solution. You know, our custodian is TD Ameritrade, and we right now clear everything through Simplicity Wealth, the registered investment advisory firm. Consumers and investors have access to all those people. They need to be reaching out to those people. And saying, "Hey, this, you know, obviously, the first thing that would be to do it would be to possibly address it with the advisor. Just saying, you know, um, this is the recommendation you made. Why would you make this recommendation for me? And maybe they've got something in their mind that maybe, well, what if we'd have done this? Mm-hmm. You know, that type of scenario. So, kind of, they can, you know, kind of work that out with the advisor. But again, heaven forbid it would come to this. They have means. They can reach. They can reach out to the insurance company. They can reach out to the investment advisory firm." Um, that they're affiliated with and and ask questions because there's always going to be, you know, somebody in their corner, either from a compliance standpoint or a suitability standpoint that can help support the client. And that's, that's why a lot of people are apprehensive about working with a professional, because again, we've seen way too many examples. We hear too many stories about how professionals are taking, you know, taking advantage of people. And uh, so it's, it's best to be, you know, our, our best advocate and understand that these are the people that can help us should we encounter a situation like that?
1: The next question is one that I found very hard to ask. <laughs> How do you get paid?
2: <laughs> yes. It, it, let me ask you a question, Patrice. Why, why do you find that question hard to, you know, to,
1: to ask? I, I did. I uh, For my financial advisor, when mm. I asked him, he kind of looked at me and he gave me an answer, but I didn't quite understand it. So I kept drilling and drilling and drilling. <laughs> and it just, it's almost as if you're, I'm calling their integrity into question. I, I don't know. I just, it was hard for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. I, and I just think it's a fair question to ask, you know, understanding how an advisor is compensated for their time. Now, you know, obviously again, some practices hang their shingle by talking about, you know, we are a fee-based only advisory firm. You know, they, they hang their shingle that way. With with myself as the WISR agency, we earn, you know, our you know, um, revenue through commissions, through different insurance products. We also earn revenue through, you know, fees, advisory fees, those different types of things. So again, just making sure that the consumer understands how they're compensated and ultimately what is it going to cost them? You know, I think we're going to get to fees here in just a little bit, but but what does that, that trickle down effect of the consumer lead to? I mean, I, I don't think anybody's too upset that, it, that an advisor is, is making a living. Um, in fact, I think a lot of clients are pretty happy that their advisors making a living because I think they want them that's around it. for a while. <laughs> so I think that's okay. But I also think it's a very fair question. And it's, again, I always kind of look for that question, especially as, as the conversations continue to build one on the other and you feel like you're getting closer and closer to that ultimate decision. Um, if it's not asked, I usually, I even ask people, hey, would you like to know how compensated for my time? Because a lot of people will ask me, you've put a lot of time and effort in these conversations. How do you get paid? So I just think it's a good question for people to, to be thinking about and asking.
1: And then the next one, what is your investment philosophy? Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I think it's come from the standpoint of everybody thinks of of the word investments differently. Um, You know, when you think of ROI, return on investment, well, that can mean, you know, if you you ask 10 different people that same question, you might get 10 different answers. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in our world here, it can be the exact same thing. What is your investment philosophy? Are we focused more on building wealth? For clients and helping them build that nest egg, or are we focused on helping them, you know, you know, distribute those funds, you know, you know, spend down those assets in the distribution phase or in the accumulation phase? So I, I think that's important for people to understand because, again, as we've talked so many times, everybody knows who listens in. Where, where I, what side of the of the fence that I sit on? Now, do I have clients who are in the accumulation phase? Yes, I do, um, and a lot of times those clients come in because of, of a referral. Um, a lot of them are either you know, the beneficiaries of clients who unfortunately have passed away that they're now allowing me to continue to help them with their family funds. But I also get some clients who says, hey, would you talk to our, our adult children? They, they, they're looking for somebody and we'd love what you did for us. Would you talk to them? But I just think that's important for people to understand and, and have an advisor speak to them you know, on a, on a very transparent basis about what their philosophy is when it comes to this role of, of us helping them as a quote unquote financial advisor.
1: This next question, Tim, I love. Where do you keep my money, and how can I see it? <laughs> I have never thought to ask something like that. Yep, and the
2: reason why, when I was when we were putting together this this content for our conversation, it takes me back a few years when I was doing one of my dinner seminars, and um, you know those those guys who send out postcards and they invite you in for a steak dinner, a fish dinner, whatever the case may be, and <clears throat> again, I was I would always open up. The floor for questions, and I had one lady raise her hand. She goes, "How are you any different than Bernie Madoff?" <laughs> oh wow! Oh, I mean, oh, oh. you could hear the the oxygen in the room just get sucked out. I mean, people put their forks down. <laughs> they all kind of leaned in, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, I just I will never forget that. I remember how it made me feel. I just thought, "Holy cow!" She doesn't know who I am, but just from that standpoint, now all of a sudden I have to prove my difference from this criminal. I mean, basically it's what he was. So definitely, you know, the reason why I, I think this is a good question is for the fact of when we again, like we said, we we've worked and saved for decades. We've got this bucket of money that means so much to us and it's going to play such a vital role. Where is it going? How can I see this on an everyday basis? And so therefore I think it's important for an advisor to say, okay, you know, here's the the company or companies we're going to use. Here's the custodian. For example, in our practice, We use TD Ameritrade. Anybody who has a smartphone or a computer, they can get access to their own account. They can see exactly what's going on, you know, with that money day by day. You know, it's like I tell people: Tim Whistler does not hold, physically hold, any of your money. (laughs) They're always at entities. Therefore, they're in your control. You can see where they're at. I'm kind of just the liaison, if you will, the kind of the partner that helps walk down this path known as retirement with you, and just making sure these funds are, you know, where they should be in your best interest. But I just think that's an important people, uh, question for people to ask. I just don't think it's asked well enough. And, and again, we don't want to be you know, experiencing anything that other people experience when they work with um, criminals out there like Bernie Madoff.
1: Right, right. And for, the, for somebody who may not know who Bernie Madoff was, biggest Ponzi scheme in modern history. Getting back to fees here. This may not be an easy question to ask, but again, this is important. What are the fees I'm going to be paying to you?
2: I just think it's very fair. I you know, I if if somebody's uncomfortable by asking that question, just think in terms of okay, if you're if you're reaching out and seeking the advice of, for example, an attorney, or you're seeking the advice of a CPA, or you're seeking the advice again, in, in my example, a plumber, right? We we have hired these professionals who excel in their respective practices to help us solve a problem that maybe we can't solve on our own. So therefore, what's it going to cost us for that? I think it's very important in our industry as well. Again, like we said, we talk about, we obviously won't get into product details here today, but you talk about different insurance products, you know, for trying to solve a problem for, for legacy, for example, we want to leave a, a death benefit behind a tax-free benefit for our family. So what's that going to cost me? All the way up to having funds, you know, managed in a stock market account or you know, at TD Ameritrade, for example, there's always going to be some type of cost involved. I think it's very, very important that there be transparency shared with clients. So consumers walk out of that conversation or that meeting and having a document in hand that says, okay, this is my annualized advisory fee for my TD Ameritrade account or accounts. Or if I have a, for example, an annuity product, and we won't talk again the different types, but it, for, for, for whatever example, whatever whatever product that they have, they should be able to understand what are the fees involved, if any fees are involved, um, on the different products and solutions that they are now going to own again at the recommendation of the advisor.
1: Someone should also make sure they ask, what services do you specialize in?
2: Absolutely, I, I think that is so important. You know, I I, I remember a, <clears throat> a quick story. Um, when I did have my office open here in town and, and for 11 years, I had a wonderful assistant. Her name was Melissa. And, uh, Melissa was referred to me from a, a previous, um, coworker in my last job in corporate America. And, um, and it was interesting. I went back there to, to visit some of my old friends and whatnot. Cause that was the last job that I worked before I opened my practice full time. And, um, she, we were talking one day and I, I just happened to mention about looking for somebody. And this one girl jumped out of her seat. She goes, I've got the perfect person for you. And she introduced me to Melissa. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time of, of working together. But the point of this is that Melissa shared a story with me that her and her family needed the help of an estate planning attorney. And it was her dad who was looking for the advice from an attorney to help start moving assets out of his mother's name into his name. Right, just kind of that transition, right, right? Just some estate planning, unbeknownst to them. That attorney said that he could help them with that. But five years down the road, when something came up and they realized that no, the assets were not transferred in full oh, to wow. Melissa's father's name, he was added as a co-owner. So all of those fees, everything that they paid for was a moot point. So, so the guy did not know what he was doing. So, you know, again, how does how do we know if that advisor is knowing what they're doing. So I think it's a, it's a good thing to ask them, what services do you specialize in? You know, are, are you are you good at helping people allocate assets and build wealth, especially in, in a down market like we're in right now? You know, and this is, this is where the rubber meets the road is when, when we are in bear markets right now, I think this is where the the specialty of an advisor really shines. What are we doing for clients when we're going through tough times like this? Um, you know, if, if I'm getting ready to retire, if I'm a couple of years away from retirement or a couple of years into retirement. I'm concerned about a down market. We've talked about sequence of returns risk before, right? So how do you help me like you've helped other people? So I, I just think that's a very fair question. Let, let the advisor explain to them um, when they maybe, maybe when they offer a couple of sentences back in response, ask for some examples. You know, I think that's very fair because again, it's no different than working with a healthcare professional. If we, if we go to our primary care physician and that PCP, you know, refers us to a cardiologist or to a podiatrist, whatever specialist we're going to. I mean, I think it's kind of natural for us to ask questions of that professional, you know, because again, we don't know what we don't know. So, so I think it's just important for us to understand what is the specialty of that advisor in the firm in which they serve clients.
1: And then the last question here is one that I did not even consider, but ask your, your potential advisor, what resources they use in creating strategies for clients?
2: I just think it's important. I, just from the standpoint of Excel, spreadsheets are pretty powerful. <laughs> but when it comes to the moving parts of retirement, you know retirement is simple, but it's complicated at the same time. It's simple from the standpoint of what are we doing with our days now? We're no longer exchanging forty plus hours a week um, at a job. We're now just enjoying life at our own pace. You know we wake up when we're done sleeping. Um, We don't know what time it is because we don't care. Those different types of things, right? (laughs) So when we're putting together an income plan for a client, a retirement income plan, and now we're going to mitigate and address all the different risks that we've talked about on previous episodes. We're going to mitigate longevity. We're going to talk about legislative risk. We're going to talk about taxes, inflation, everything. How on earth are we able to kind of take all of that complication of all those different moving parts and make it simple. What resources do we utilize? And I just think it's an important question for people to understand because again, to to, for for myself, that is a tool. You know, that's a very important tool. It's it's no different than if a if a person hires a carpenter and has them come into the house to do some work. We obviously want that carpenter to number number one, have the right tools for the job. And number two, how to how to properly use those tools. You don't want them, you know, using a hammer when a screwdriver will do, obviously, you know, and it's a rough example, but in my world, you know, what, what software are we using? What, what data points are we looking at? You know, how are we going to optimize social security? Um, What's the, what's the tool that you use to to maximize a pension? You know, those those different types of resources, they're available to advisors. There are some that are good and some that are not good. And um, I just think it's an important conversation to have with an advisor that we're, that we're considering to partner with and second of all is, okay, can you show us an example? You know, mm-hmm. give us a John and Jane Doe example of retirement income strategies or social security optimization, whatever the case may be. I just think it's, it's a good um, and very fair question. And again, if that advisor is in this business for the right reasons, and that's helping another human being solve a problem they couldn't solve on their own, they would be thrilled to show them <laughs> what, um, you know, what's, what resources and strategies that we use when putting together an income plan for clients.
1: All right, Tim, those are nine great questions that uh, people should ask any potential advisor. But I have one more question for you. Shoot. <laughs> How can people reach you?
2: <laughs> That's an easy one. I love that one. <laughs> so um, our email address is tim at thewhistleragency.com. Again, still no teen Whistler. Uh, they can find us online at thewhistleragency.com. And you can call me here at my desk at area code 309. Two nine one zero four nine one,
1: And it is your money. You have the right to know about the person you choose to care for it. Follow this podcast for many more thoughtful and insightful episodes, and please share with others. I'm Patrice Sequora.
0: Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth, LLC.
1: This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered pursuant to IRS Circular 230 It is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.